I've seen it up close and personal too, man. Like I told you before, uh, my brother died when he was a few months old. Yeah. And then so watching my mom go through that, bro, she, man, I I didn't even know how to process it, you know, because I was in elementary. Yeah. And so like just waking up to uh, hearing like your mom screaming and crying because that day when it happened when i woke up the uh the paramedics were already there and uh they were like taking out you know was probably you know my brother's body like just kind of covered up and fam in five four three two one what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the genius brain podcast mm -hmm. I want to start off this podcast by saying my condolences to Chrissy Teigen. She lost her child. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Pretty Fucking sad, sad yeah. man. I can't even imagine. I, I had on this podcast uh, in an episode a while ago. The mm -hmm. audio was a little fucked up. I'm going to have them come back here again. Mm -hmm. um, but they they have been going through the um, IVF process mm -hmm. for, I think, seven years. And they couldn't have a kid yeah. the whole time. And um, I think just the process i think they did it about four times and by the way this process is extremely expensive mm -hmm. but when she was on this podcast she was talking about how she asked me like do you is there anything in life where you feel like you have one purpose and that's it and for her is to give birth to a child and mm -hmm. be a mother that mm -hmm. is her purpose in life and for her it felt like it's because that's her life purpose that she needs to fulfill yeah that no, no matter what she has to do it and what she shared on this podcast is that uh went through the i think it was like through the anesthesia process she actually died and they had to resuscitate her back to life wow and it was a hard part for um jeremy her husband uh -huh. where he was just at a point where he said i don't want to do this anymore yeah because if i have to lose you this this whole process isn't worth it but mm -hmm. for her she wanted to do this yeah like she had to and so yeah. they did it one more time and she got pregnant she's actually I, I think she's six months pregnant now wow good for her man seven and a half years almost eight years i believe yeah and she's finally pregnant yeah and so even from that she started a small company um called cozy warrior where it's is where you wear these socks that kind of comforts women going through the ivf process because mm -hmm. i guess a lot like infertility is something that affects a lot of women it's not yeah it's weird because like hood people just be popping out babies 24 7 <laughs> but every time a good human being wants to like you know what i'm saying like yeah. have a kid it yeah. just doesn't happen yeah but every time like any of the fucking people back in sacramento you guys fuck you have a baby instantly <laughs> what the fuck is that about i don't know man maybe maybe they're just having a lot more sex and busted i know? guess dude that fucking hood sperm is fucking potent as shit thug sperm is the shit baby no but yeah like uh as i started to get older and i had uh more and more friends getting married and, and trying to have kids you know really uh opened my eyes to learning about how common like miscarriages can be mm -hmm. it's 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 not something you really talk about obviously when you're younger right yeah. because it's not your reality at that moment in life but yeah it, it, it actually surprised me i was like holy shit like there's a good amount of people who go through that during uh the trying to conceive a child process um and i could only imagine man what that must feel like you know from from a woman's standpoint because to carry a a, a living human being inside of you to to nurture that child yeah and 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 uh look just look forward to the moment that that child comes into the world right but to have that taken away from you you know whether prematurely or at birth yeah you know what i mean a friend of mine was telling me too because she's uh, currently pregnant right now mm -hmm. that her her OBGYN was telling her that miscarriages do happen mm -hmm. and it's something that shouldn't be considered like you know it, it I think as a parent or as a woman it makes you feel like a failure like you killed this child mm -hmm. right um but it happens a lot because the human body like if something is going wrong during this process mm -hmm. and you have a miscarriage is because the body is like oh this isn't going to work. Yeah. And so your body's just going to kill it. Like it's yeah. like a kill switch. Yeah. And so you'll have a miscarriage. So it's actually your body doing that on purpose because they know that this, there's something's going to be wrong with this child. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure how true that is, but I could be recurgitating that information wrong. Uh, I'm probably not going to fact check that. You got to do it yourself. <laughs> uh, but that's what she was telling me. And that's why yeah. like miscarriages too, like it happens a lot. Yeah. And um, people just don't know. They think it's just like, you know, you just come inside somebody and boom, you get a perfect baby. Right. No, I just, I, I, ha I have a friend who just went through a miscarriage with his wife, you know? That's and, nuts. And like, 
his uh, his wife was going through it man she was she was devastated because she was really happy and looking forward to having a child so you know it must i i mean just the fact just just the incident just that incident itself i, I can imagine uh, would be devastating uh for for both people but even more so for the women again because she's it carrying inside yeah it's, it's inside of you man i I can't even be begin to imagine what that feels like. Dude, one of the things that Chrissy Teigen said that fucking wrecked me, she goes, she she kind of wrote, she put this post up where she was like, it's weird. I'm leaving this hospital without a kid. Right. Yeah, I, I saw that tweet. That shit fucking wrecked me. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like for this whole nine months, she was nurturing this child. Mm -hmm. And then after this whole ordeal is over, yeah. she's leaving empty handed from this hospital with no kid. Right. Like what the fuck does that feel like? Like yeah. there's nothing, there's, you can't even, there's no way somebody can personally describe what that feels like for you to even get close to understanding what they're going yeah, through. Yeah. And, the, and then you see like some of the responses, you know, like these fucking idiots that are out. I remember I what, saw- what? what no there was like a response of something about like these pro-lifers talking about abortion and stuff like implying that she got an abortion or a nine-month abortion bitch like, that's not how it works i know ho. but i'm saying that like that's the kind of shit that you have in the cesspool of fucking social media man all these creatures from fucking cracks in in, in the earth somewhere <laughs> crawling out and saying idiotic shit and, and look man like i've seen it they could be trolls yeah they are they could be trolls they could just be uh you know really delusional or stupid people but i've seen it up close and personal too man like i told you before uh my brother died when he was a few months old yeah. and then so watching my mom go through that bro she man i i didn't even know how to process it you know because how cause old were you i was in elementary yeah and so like just waking up to uh hearing like your mom screaming and crying because that day when it happened when i woke up the uh the paramedics were already there and uh they were like taking out you know was probably you know my brother's body like just kind of covered up and family and and like some neighbors were there to console my mom too but she was Bro, she was hysterical, huh? His absolutely hysterical. And you know what the worst part about it is? It was fucking New Year's. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Well, how did how did your uh, brother pass away? So um he was starting to have some health issues. And so uh my parents were constantly going to the doctors. Ultimately, uh the doctors prescribed wrong medicine. Oh <gasps> yeah. So did you guys sue? So I asked my dad, because they we didn't sue right and and i asked my dad why they didn't right and he said he they, he had his reasons but he wouldn't really elaborate on it so i didn't want to probe deeper yeah. but i'm guessing it was too painful you know to to like drag that on uh, after through that yeah way. after losing a child it, it was more something of like I want to forget this. Yeah, yeah. Just I just want to move past this now. You know, some because it, it's not going to bring your brother back. Yeah, yeah. So I I think I don't know. I never got a, a clear answer for that, so I can't say. Uh, yeah. But that's what I'm assuming because when he answered it, obviously it was on the table of pursuing a lawsuit. Yeah. But he decided against it for you know whatever reason. Um. So for me too, man, it was like, you know. I think I was like seven, eight years old, right? It was really confusing to process because it's like I had a little brother that was a living, breathing human being. I'd like play with him in the crib and stuff like that. Oh, do you still remember all that stuff? I do, of course. That's nuts. Yeah, of course. Um, and, you know, I think even at that age, on some level, at some point, like, because I remember one night where I felt extremely just like sad and devastated that I don't have a brother anymore. And, like and, and it just broke me. Yeah. It just broke me, you know? And, you know, I, I went to my mom and she's like, what's wrong and stuff. And basically I told her, I was mm -hmm. like, you know, he's dead. Like mm -hmm. he's, he, he's, he's gone, you know? So even at that age, I, I understood on some level, like the permanence of that, you know? That's uh, super early. It is, it is. Um, but, 
again, it's not this, this I'm not bringing this up because of me, uh, my mom, just yeah. seeing what she went through. I could only imagine, man. I could only imagine what that must feel like. I wonder like for a woman who goes through this, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if it goes on a personal level where they feel like they're a failure, mm -hmm. like they couldn't do what they had to do to protect this child. And, mm. you know, there's a lot of stuff like I'm psychologically sure, dude, that goes I'm on sure, with that. Like it just fucks up your mental space, you know? Because think about it, just just the death alone is going to put you in such a dark space and in such a dark like emotional place. And then on top of that, you have those thoughts starting to enter your mind when you're already in a negative space. Most yeah. likely it's negative thoughts that are coming into your mind, right? How long How long did it take for your mom to start feeling a little normal again? Do like, you remember? <sighs> it's hard for me to say. I, I, I don't kinda, know. Your child, you're just going yeah, through Yeah, yeah. I don't know the timeline of it exactly, but I just remember like the day of um, how how hysterical she, she was screaming and crying at the top of her lungs, yeah. you know? And I, I was just trying to process like what happened? What's going on? Um, the process of death, especially at that young age is very odd. Like I, like I might've said this on the podcast, but when I was at my parents' store, I remember, I don't know what happened exactly, mm -hmm. but they were, cops were chasing somebody mm -hmm. and from what I remember as a kid, I remember that I think that guy drew a gun or some shit like that, mm -hmm. but cops just unloaded on the dude. Mm -hmm. This was in front of my parents' store when my parents were redoing the store at the time. Because mm -hmm. when we first opened up the store, all we had were um, uh, cardboard boxes. And uh, this is when they were installing the shelves and my parents brought me over to to the store because they couldn't, I didn't have a babysitter or anything. Yeah. So I was just there and I was just looking through the window and then you just hear these cop cars go out and this guy was jetting out running and they shot the dude there. And that was the first time I saw death. Mm -hmm. I think I was like nine. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe that should affected me as an adult, but I couldn't process what the fuck was going it's on. It's hard to, it's hard to at that age because yeah. you don't have enough life experience. You don't have context, you know? Yeah, I don't know what yeah. the fuck that was. And yeah. I don't know if he died or not, mm -hmm. but he was dead because obviously they had paramedics come and mm -hmm. he was definitely dead. Like when I look, look back at it now, yeah. I mean, I don't know what time did to maybe rearrange those things, but I could almost recreate it in my head like a fucking movie because it was so nuts just mm -hmm. seeing like this guy jet, these cops get out. And just fucking start unloading yeah, on this dude, yeah. which was so weird, you know. So I don't know if he technically had a weapon or not, but maybe I'm just filling in that gap. But mm -hmm. I just remember watching somebody get shot in front of me, like yeah, at a super young age, dude. Even even like when death becomes more likely as you get older, right? It's it's still always gonna feel foreign, you know, because you have this living, breathing person, and then the next moment you don't. You know what I mean? It, it's it's like even if you know death is inevitable, right? Like that's the only guarantee you have coming into this world. Nothing yeah. else. Death is a hundred percent guaranteed. Nothing else is, right? Even if you know that and you internalize that, when it happens, it just it throws you off balance because it's like it's so weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was introduced to the, to death actually pretty early on in my life. My grandma passed away when she was fifty five. Had a heart Damn. attack in her sleep. Uh, I was maybe like four years old, three years old, but I remember that day too. Exactly. Uh, I woke up in the morning, and again, same kind of situation. Paramedics and all that. Uh, all, all of them were there. They were carrying my grandma's body out, and then my dad pushed me back into the room and closed the door and said, "Just stay in there for a bit." And then it's like that's the only memory I have of that incident. But yeah, it's it's like really, um, really weird thing. To not only be introduced to it that early, but then to like process it as you get older. Um, and, and again, even if you are at an age where you're expecting death to become a part of your life more often, I guess, it's never going to be something you just easily get through. You know what De I mean? Death to me, uh, you know, and I only think about this recently. Um, obviously because he's fucking sleepless nights. Like death is one of those things as a gift and a curse. Because, mm -hmm. and, and the reason why I say that, and you know, bear with me as I explain this, it's you, when you start to realize how finite life is, could you imagine if all of us had to live forever? If we had the ability to live forever, right? Mm -hmm. Our choices and the way that we navigate and move in this world would be way different. Because mm -hmm. now that we know that life is finite, there's consequences to the things that we do. Absolutely. And I feel like if we did live forever, I feel like a lot of people would definitely be a lot more morally devout because mm -hmm. there's no consequences to the things that they do. Mm -hmm. When when death becomes a part of the picture and the motion picture in your life, there's a moment. And if you're really young and you're listening to this, 
even as I say this, you're not going to really get it. There's going to be a moment where it's going to click and where it go, where you will, you'll sit there and you'll go, oh shit, I'm going to die one day. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad are going to die one day. People are going to just start disappearing around me. Like, could you imagine from my grandpa, for example, my grandpa lived till he was like 98. Mm -hmm. He had no more friends. Mm -hmm. Everybody died before him. Yeah. He was the last one alive. He was damn near a fucking hundred. Mm -hmm. His last friend was this guy we used to call Nakshiajashi because mm -hmm. he used to always go swimming with go him. Go fishing. Yeah, <laughs> swimming, fishing. Uh -huh. Fishing with him all the time, right? So, um, and I didn't know he passed away until um, I went, we buried my grandmother before him and I was walking by mm -hmm. and I saw a picture of him at a graveyard. I was like, this podcast is brought to you by Fiverr, my friends. Have you ever needed freelance work that was reliable, but you just couldn't find it? Well, that's because you haven't heard of Fiverr. 2020 has been the year of uncertainty. So how can your business plan for the unexpected? Well, guess what? You do that by hiring reliable freelance work to get stuff done that you can't get done. Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and a bunch more. I've used Fiverr for a whole bunch of stuff. Like if I ever need a website stuff to be done on the fly and I don't have time to do it, or there's certain things that I don't know how to do, I always hit up Fiverr. The pricing is there. It's I don't have to negotiate anything. Um, there's plans to when it will be delivered and it's always been delivered on time. And it's just been a really easy experience for me finding freelance work. So check it out, guys. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my code GB. Find all the digital services you need in one place at Fiverr.com. Dot com code GB. Again, that's Fiverr.com code GB. When the fuck did this guy pass away? Yeah. And my dad was like, yeah, he passed away like a couple years ago before your grandma did. I was like, dude, that was my grandpa's last friend. Mm -hmm. And then he outlived that guy for another, what, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. So imagine this whole time. And I just, it's, it's weird because when I watch people age and I see them dwindle and uh, I, I kind of see like the stuff that they say. Well, first of all, I'm laughing right now because my mom is fucked up. So I remember one time, my my grandpa, you know, he's old and that fool be acting up and shit like yeah, that. Yeah. And then he was doing some bullshit. And my grandpa was like, he goes, I got to get out of this house. I'm going back to LA. And my mom was like, dude, all your friends are dead. That's cold, man. Oh, man. That's, I mean, it's true, but it's cold as fuck. My, my mom didn't do it like that. I remember my mom said that. I my mom was like, yo, that's fucked up. She goes, where are those? All your friends are dead. I'm like, what do you even say to that? You know, what, I, how can you even respond to that? Yeah, so? Yeah. <laughs> fuck you, bitch. <laughs> My mom should be saying some fucking ridiculous Damn. shit. But I think my mom too, she didn't, she didn't, maybe it was because a part of herself didn't want to face her own mortality. Mm -hmm. But there was a point too, well, my grandpa's 98, you know, he's, he's not completely all there. And he would do stuff that was annoying for her, right? Mm -hmm. Like he would like open shit up and try to build shit. I remember one time I came in and this fool, I don't know where he made this shit out of, mm -hmm. but this fool made a trident out of wood. And I'm like. How did you? How did you make this? Why? Why was he even building a trident? I don't because he was he. We made a tri I, I shit you not. I'm talking about Poseidon's yeah, trident, yeah. the fork and everything yeah. out of wood. Uh, and first, of all, I don't even know how he curved the wood like that. I yeah. think he soaked it and did some shit with it, which is amazing. He could build anything. And uh, I looked at him. I'm like, how did you? Where did you get this wood? Yeah. What are you doing? And he goes, I have to protect the house. I'm uh -huh. like, no, you don't. You're like nine. Well, at the time, he's like 95. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. He goes. He goes, do you want me to show you? I'm like, yeah. He just he pokes me in my stomach. <laughs> and I just remember, I just, I was like, do it again. Yeah. I grabbed it out of his hand. Uh, I was like, you can't do anything. Yeah. But I had a moment where. Why, my, why you got to tear him down like that, bro? Because I wanted to stop busting shit in our house and making wood weapons out of it. This one was like chopping up the piano and shit. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Where did you get this? Yeah. Where does wood come from? It's like from the side of our house. Oh, this guy's man. fucking crazy <laughs> and I looked at my, my and then my brother was explaining because he was you know he's gonna be a nurse he goes you know they're getting older he goes he doesn't know yeah like, he's just doing stuff that he's used to doing I'm and, sure he's having like lapses in his mind of yeah. like when and where and, you know you know to go back to my fucking fucked up mom like she I don't think she understood I think it was because she was dealing with her own mortality to see mm -hmm. somebody dwindle like that mm -hmm. because she's been around where he was perfectly fine and for her to see that it's, it's hard for her so you know, I remember my mom got so mad because he was just fucking shit up in the house and she was yelling at him. I had to take my mom to the side and say, hey, you're yelling at somebody who doesn't understand. He goes, oh, he knows. And I got fucking mad. Mm -hmm. I was like, you are old enough to understand this. Mm -hmm. I was like, if I was, let's say you do this at your, at his age and I'm like this and I'm yelling at you. How does that make me look? 
You cannot do that to him. He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. You have to look at it differently. But mom's so fucking stubborn. He goes, he knows. He knows what he's doing. And I'm like, I got so far. I had to talk to our dad. And my dad had to talk to her. It's like, what are yeah. you fucking doing? Like, you're the dumb one. Yeah. You're actually stupid right now. <laughs> like, you're getting mad at somebody who's fucking old and senile. Right. You think he shits in the bed because he wants to? <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know? My mom is so hot tempered, dude. Mm. But just just dealing with the whole, the mortality of it all. Like thinking about death is when I started to, I think, I think that was really a huge catalyst in the way I shifted um, how I uh, did things in life. Mm-hmm. That was just one of the first things. Yeah. Right. As, as it should, I feel like, because uh-huh. if you, if you're really internalizing uh, your mortality and, and really respecting the idea that death is inevitable, mm-hmm. yet also understanding that you never know what your time, when your time is, then that should create some sort of shift in your perspective on life. Like, can you confidently say that when you go to sleep tonight, you're going to wake up tomorrow and live another day? You can't. You can't say that for 100. Nobody can. Nobody can say that for 100%. So if you really internalize that idea and really respect death, right? There, I I just don't see any way how that doesn't create some sort of shift, whether small or major shift in your perspective on life. Yeah. And the things you want, out of it. I mean, people will definitely choose to ignore it because it's a, it, it's, it's really hard to deal with, mm-hmm. you know? And I think with, um, like, I remember with my, with my grandma, that was like the first time I dealt with death in a devastating way. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I've had friends who got shot and died, mm-hmm. but I can rationalize that saying they were pretty bad people, mm-hmm. you know, like they yeah. put themselves in these situations. Yeah. Right. Like I remember a dude, uh, this was like the first time I had to deal with death is, and I, I and when I look back at it, I, I was very hyper emotional about something to a person that wasn't really that great to me. Mm-hmm. But he was like a homie, right? Like mm-hmm. you're in this like little group and click. And I remember this dude was in the hospital. He got shot up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he actually passed away. But I remember I was just re- and I felt like a weird guilt because I remember um, at this time they never asked me to in that group specifically. Never they never asked me to do anything, mm-hmm. right? But whatever was going on specifically, and I never really asked. Um, some shit went down. Whether he started it or not, but he was like, yo, we need everybody to be there. I'm not somebody who did that type of stuff. I was just one of the little homies that was there. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, you down? And I remember he asked and I'm like, no, <laughs> like, you know, I, I wasn't in, yeah. I don't know what the fuck was going on. And then from, and then he kind of, kind of hung that. He goes, well, some shit happens. I mean, that's on you. He actually ended up dying. Wow. And I remember I was at like a, at a Christmas party. I had to sit with it mm-hmm. and it just made me feel super guilty. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't. I wasn't even that close to him specifically in yeah. the group, but him saying that last thing to me fucked me up. Of course, I mean that's a that's a pretty, um, like that's like almost like foresight. Foresight. <laughs> he was know, like, "Well, like, some shit happens." Yeah, to me. foreshadowing. You know, and in my mind, like, oh, he's he'll be fine. Like, he, nothing's gonna happen to him. But that fool got shot up. He actually got he actually got murdered mm-hmm. in his car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his car got dumped somewhere. Mm. So whatever was happening with whatever he did, he fuck he did something really bad to piss somebody off, yeah. right? And then, uh, yeah, he just disappeared, and he he ended up he he was he, he didn't disappear. I'm sorry, excuse me. His car disappeared, and his car was found in a ditch later on. But he was in the hospital. So what I'm what I'm assuming is what happened to him is that he. They got to him first before he could do anything. Mm-hmm. So they probably knew where he lived or whatever, or they went into a car ride or some shit. My memory's fuzzy because I'm trying to, I don't know if I blocked that shit out yeah, or something, yeah. but I can't remember it. But he, uh, yeah, he, he got shot and he died in the hospital. And I was kind of like fucked up from that shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, look, man, even if you're not close to somebody, if you have some sort of relationship with them, I, I, I just don't see how it won't affect you in some way. You know. Um, also, fuck you for saying that last thing at the end. Well, if I fucking die, he was like, "That's on you." Like, what the fuck? Like, you've never asked me. To, you know what? Yeah. I'm mad at him. <laughs> like, just him saying that. I remember too. I, I think I was at my friend's like Christmas party or some shit. Or was the Thanksgiving? Because we do like a yearly Thanksgiving and Christmas meetup. Mm-hmm. And I found out during that time when I was with those friends, and I just remember sat there and I just started like tearing up because mm-hmm. I felt so fucking guilty. Yeah. But it's like, what would I have done? Yeah. I would have done nothing. Right. Right. I mean, it's just. It's just, it's just uh, uh, just sitting with you in, in an unpleasant way because there's the what ifs in yeah. your mind, right? 
Like, well, what if I did something, right? I probably would have lived because I was so fat. I would have took all the bullets. <laughs> he just, I just been shot up first. <laughs> just bounce off of him. I know. It's like he, he was literally asking me to come so he used me as a shield. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, it, it, look, man, again, death is just, it's it's a it's a crazy thing, man. And to, to go through it, I mean, I think I went through like three or four deaths uh, before I was even 10. Damn. Yeah. That's super early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like even um these uh these youngs that i had right were were my uh they, my dad hired them to work um at his place um mm-hmm. at his store in south central and they were bangers and they were just trying to like kind of stay out of trouble i guess that's why they were working whatever and they would crash out our pad sometimes um i'm guessing when there was like some heat and they just needed to you know go mm-hmm. somewhere else and so like you know, these dudes used to like play basketball with me and like just be super friendly and be like a big, like older brother figures, right? Um, yeah, one of them uh, got caught slipping in K-Town and got shot up, you know, by Damn. a rival gang. Um, and I think that that was like when I was probably eight, nine, something like that, Yeah, you know? So it's like, it's a weird fucking thing. And, and, and I think also too, going through those things hardened me early because it's like, I think it like indirectly teaches you there's no room for weakness in this life, you know, because yeah. anything can happen. Um, and I think kind of going through those things that most people don't go through at that stage in their life made me um, less emotional, you know, uh, and, and like so always saw it as, as from a perspective of like, you can't be weak, you know. It, you, you gotta always protect yourself and, and be on guard you know um as a result yeah like like i said before in the podcast i you know i've been called like a robot and like yeah. emotionless no i feel those things obviously i'm a fucking human being i have emotions it's just how i display those emu- emotions and how i deal with those emotions is is different i guess from the average person yeah but look man any I mean- uh, but uh, everybody deals with things differently, right? Right, right. So, right. Some, some people guard from their emotions. Like mm-hmm. my typical typical thing is I, I laugh about damn near everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because like I didn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. It goes either I can laugh at this or I can let it cripple me. Yeah. And so I can find a funny situation in just about anything. Mm-hmm. Like even when my when my uh, grandma passed away, I was mm-hmm. super close to her. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've talked about on this podcast where, of how emotionally traumatizing that was for me. But I can also remember some of the funniest fucking moments from that funeral. <laughs> like Like- my mom crying yeah. was one of the most hilarious things that ever happened. You know, when crying people cry uh-huh. at funerals, it's yeah. devastating. <laughs> I didn't know this. Yeah. You know, I didn't know about the Korean grieving process yeah. of screaming uh-huh. beyond, like screaming your fucking heart out, yeah. your spirit out. Yeah. And so literally like we're we're sitting there and then we're lined up next to the casket and we're, we're kind of tearing up and crying. And my mom just goes, I'm on it! Just starts crying, screaming, oh, <laughs> you know, just and that shit. I looked yeah. and I started, I was trying not to, and it looked like I was crying, like yeah. sobbing my eyes out, yeah. but I was actually laughing my ass off because my mom just collapsed to the floor, yeah. started rolling down the stairs. Yeah. I'm like, dog, laughing at your mom's face. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, woman, collect yourself. What the fuck are you doing? It's like a Korean drama. And there was this other moment too that I remembered uh, during the funeral where this lady was trying to shake everybody's hands and then um she was going up to shake i think my brother's hand and she slipped and she kind of tumbled down the stairs oh no and i just couldn't stop laughing because i was like yo this lady's fucking clumsy what's going on there was just weird moments i feel like it god in my life likes to plant humor for me Uh it's like dumb shit yeah like for example my uncle when my grandma was going to be put into the ground, mm-hmm. this guy is the most inappropriate human being you'll ever meet in your mm-hmm. fucking life. There's mm-hmm. so many stories that I don't think I could tell in this podcast because it just makes me makes my family look bad. Yeah, but my my cousin was there, both my cousins, his sons, and so when they were bringing, it was kind of nice. It was almost like a sign from God that this so because it was raining in Sacramento the whole mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. and it was still raining the day of her funeral. Um, but when we went to go bury her, uh, 
literally rain stopped the mm-hmm. sun came out it was mm-hmm. fucking beautiful but yeah. because of the rain it caused the mud to kind of slide and get yeah. out of place so the place that they slotted out in in the ground to put her in was a little fucked up uh-huh. so they had to fix it and so my 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 uncle over here is trying to create small talk as these guys as people are crying trying to <laughs> dig this thing out they're yeah. sobbing people are crying their eyes out yeah and my uncle's just like it's a pretty uh pretty nice day huh <laughs> and i'm like looking at him like are you are you having small talk at a funeral right oh, now at the wow. top of your lungs? And I remember what he goes, so uh yeah, that's a pretty handy tool, huh? You said you're strong, huh? And then my cousin, his son goes, Abba, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Cause he's so fucking mad. Yeah, yeah man, it's like uh hey, you know. And that was uh the son, your your grandma's son? Uh th- this is um the her son-in-law so it's oh, not okay so, <laughs> so it's by Komobu have some fucking respect I man know, dog. Jesus this guy is so fucking weird uh-huh. and so I'm looking at this situation like why does this have to happen in my family yeah like and even the people at the uh, the funeral that, that are holding everything and you they're supposed to be very com- I'm sorry for your loss I remember one guy was laughing because mm-hmm. he's never seen something like this before mm-hmm. a guy trying to create small talk during a funeral while somebody is being buried and he's loud. Right. Like, that's a pretty handy tool, huh? Yeah, it's a good day, yeah? I'm like, dog, shut the fuck up. What is wrong with you, man? That's that's so terrible, man. Um I got so I got I gotta bring my cousin on here because yeah. that's his dad. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking on the phone for three hours last week, just yeah. reminiscing about stuff that he did that I completely <laughs> forgot about. Yeah. Like I remember one time this dude, he got so mad at my cousin. I remember him chucking a butcher knife at him. This podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. Listen, for everybody out there that does not know how to cook delicious meals because one, you suck in the kitchen. Two, you always have leftover ingredients that you know you're not going to use. Or three, you hate the cleanup. Well, shut your face. You gotta get HelloFresh. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit service that saves you a trip to the grocery store, gives you easy to follow recipes, and allows you to make bomb ass meals that makes you look like a boss in the kitchen. And you might think, well, what if they don't have the food options for me? Well, you psychopath, they got you. Low calorie vegetarian, kid-friendly, meat-friendly, carb-loving, whatever. It's all there. I've cooked six different recipes and I haven't hated a single one. I made the uh, the Tuscan chicken pasta with oven-roasted tomatoes and a tangy cream sauce and you would have thought your boy was Rachel Gordon Ramsay, Morimoto, Bobby Flay, baby. Try HelloFresh out today and you will not be disappointed. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 80brain and use code 80brain to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your your first box. That is an amazing deal. So once again, go to hellofresh.com slash 80 as an 80brain and use code 80brain to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. And he missed him. And the, if you go into that duplex that we used to live at, because yeah. we used to live in this uh, duplex called Tim Woods in Sacramento, it's called uh-huh. Ghetto. There, I remember the hatchet mark <laughs> on the wall when he chucked a butcher knife at wow. him. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, like, what if that fucking hit the kid? You know, I hit don't your cousin. He did some crazy shit, dude. The one time this fool went on this. So he, he would go. Anytime they had the, the, the Hanguk Shimun, right? The Korean mm-hmm. newspaper. Yeah. You know, the, those articles are so ridiculous. Yeah. I came in one time into the house, right? And we were talking about his health because he's very healthy. He has that thing where he has a lot of subcutaneous fat where his belly is large and it's fucking hard, mm-hmm. which is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's a huge sign that you could have a stroke, heart attack or whatever. And mm-hmm. so I remember I was telling him, I was like, hey, uncle, you need to lose some weight. Like you're getting uh, really out of shape. He mm-hmm. goes, doctor say it's 100% okay. I'm like, you're a fucking lying to yeah. me. You are the fattest fuck. I-. And this is for me as a fat guy. Yeah. I'm like, you're so fucking fat. I was like, you are lying, right? Yeah. He goes, Okay, 100%. Okay. And I'm like, okay. If you guys notice, my Kim Jong il is developed off of this guy. This is how he actually talks. I'm like, go get on the scale. Yeah. So we bring the scale over to him. We get it from the bathroom. We bring it to the living room. I'm like, Komo, get on the scale. I want to see how much you weigh. Yeah. He goes, okay. He gets on, right? He's maybe five foot three. Uh-huh. It's like 185 pounds. Oh, man. Right? And I'm like, dude, you're 185 pounds. Yeah. He goes, I know. He gets off the scale. I fucking shit you not. Yeah. He takes the keys out of his pocket and he puts it down and he gets back on. And it says 185 again. He goes, I was like, hold on a second. Ha, 
What did you think those keys yeah. weighed? Did those keys weigh 60 pounds, you fuck? It was an aha moment that <laughs> was. Dog, when he did that, that was the moment yeah. I lost all respect for him as a human being. Yeah. I'm like, did you take your keys out of your pocket as if it weighed 60 pounds? David, wait. <laughs> he goes, I know. <laughs> he takes it out. He had so many funny fucking, I mean, he's still around right now, but mm. he actually suffered from a stroke because of his health issues oh, shit. that we were warning him about. Yeah. So he's not as goofy as he used to be. I think mm. the stroke kind of changed him. Mm-hmm. But this fool used to say like some ridiculous shit. Like I remember he did, he used to say this phrase that used to piss me off because he would use it for anything. If I asked for something in the house, mm. this is what he would say. I'd be like, hey, Komubu, uh, where's, where's my keys at? Hey, open your eyes, jackass. <laughs> but he wouldn't tell me where the fucking keys are. I'm like, where the fuck are the keys? Yeah. So open your eyes, jackass. All the time. This guy just sounds like a ridiculous guy. <laughs> He's fucking crazy. But you know that that um, makes you really realize, though, is that just how dysfunctional most families are. You know, it, for sure. You don't have like this perfect, uh, you know group of characters uh or not characters there are characters within families but you don't just have these perfect cookie cutter uh you know family type members it's there's always a wild card in there you know what i mean he's a i mean even my aunt like his his wife which is my my dad's mom Mm -hmm. because we have a history of short tempers in our family Mm -hmm. Uh, i've had a lot of anger issues Mm -hmm. in my my whole life and it definitely stems from how my parents and my family deals with their anger like they break shit for sure shit up for sure things up (laughs) my aunt i remember one time my 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 Kungomo came. So mm-hmm. her older sister came from Korea. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know the type of relationship that they had. Because I really never seen her before. But when she came here, I was like, wow, she looks just like my aunt. And I remember the next day, <laughs> they came, uh, they, she came and they, she was staying at my aunt's place. And the next day, my older aunt was staying with us. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? why is she staying here? I thought she was staying at Komo's place. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at my, uh, <laughs> my Kungomo's face. Yeah. And... I see something, a circular red mark on her face. Uh-huh. I'm like, what is that from? Yeah. And then uh, later on, my cousins come over for dinner and I see my Como, her younger sister, with a like, scratch mark on her face. Oh. <laughs> and I go, yo, what happened? And my cousin's uh-huh. cracking up. He's like, yeah. you would not believe what fucking happened. I was yeah. like, what happened? I was like, they got into a fight about some bullshit. Uh-huh. My aunt bit my other aunt in the face. So that circular mark oh was the full on chomp she yeah. had on her cheek. Wow. So she bit her in the face. Yeah. And so she was trying to get her off her face. Yeah. So she was scratching Scr- my other aunt. So she had a scratch mark across her face, like All a right. Wolverine scratch mark. That, that that's, uh, that's a little bit more disturbing functional visual <laughs> yeah, dog, dog. <laughs> I, I, like i have so many stories about my personal family that's funny now it was a little traumatizing when i was younger For sure when you're young seeing that <laughs> shit you're like what the fuck is going on like why the fuck do you have a red mark on your face yeah. it was like so fucked up it's because she bit her that's fucking ridiculous. I, I've i never heard a story like that with family members. Dog, where... I could tell you, my cousin knows more because my cousin's a 10 years older than me. So there's, uh, there's, a, there's a fat chunk of shit that yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. But he remembers really, really well because yeah. he was older. Yeah. So like I, I have remnants of these weird memories of like just my family just dealt with things a lot differently. Like specifically my, my grandma. I was the only kid that got my ass whooped. She what? never she never hit my brother and uh-huh. never hit my cousin. Why? So she hated me. Oh. She, oh yeah, that's right. You told me of yeah, you told me about this. Yeah, she hated She had me. it out for you. She had it out for me, you know. <laughs> so I didn't know. I wish my cousin he was when I was talking to my cousin on the phone mm. uh, a couple weeks ago, he mm. goes, Man, I wish I would have told you that when you were younger that she hated your guts. Mm. She thought you were some lash kid that your mom slept with some other dude. Yeah. And then you were born. And I'm like, Yeah, I remember that story. Like, what the fuck? Like, is that what she was beating my ass all the time? Yeah. Like, it's cause she fucking hated my guts. But the weird thing is, when I have thoughts of my grandma, they're mm. very warm. <laughs> like, even though she beat your ass all the time you know why it's because she always made me this ghetto macaroni and cheese it uh-huh. was craft the craft macaroni yeah. and cheese with uh-huh. ground beef uh-huh. that shit's fucking fire dude <laughs> that's why you have more memories because of food she beat my ass and then she made this fucking spaghetti i always like uh-huh. so she always beat me up but she always made the food i love though uh-huh. maybe a little a little bit maybe, of felt guilty yeah exactly yeah it's like well, i'm gonna beat your ass again but you know yeah. just to make myself feel a little better yeah. about it right now get this hood mac and cheese and you'll feel a little better about it and she knew i love that shit oh that shit was so good uh, yo rest in peace grandma <laughs> i love you so much <laughs> but yeah there's i i have some 
characters in my family too, man. But I feel like it's it's pretty commonplace uh, for for there to be some sort of dysfunctional members in in most people's family. You know, that's why the whole idea behind oh, it's that drunk uncle at Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. You always have those characters, and it's just like. Yeah, at the time, you might find something that they're doing offensive, but like you say, you look back on it and it's just like so ridiculous, you know? Yeah, it's so crazy. When people don't have that, I understand why they don't have much stories about the family because mm-hmm. they were so normal. Yeah. And I feel like my kids are going to have a way more normal life than than I did because mm-hmm. I think just just the whole immigrant story of my parents trying to navigate what's going on <laughs> and just that stress alone just made them do Dude, fucking crazy shit the immigrant story is like such a perfect scenario for all of these you know crazy incidents to happen you know because uh, like you're figuring it out on the fly you know what i mean and trying to build a life for yourself um and again at the time it might not be so funny but you look back on it you're like yeah that shit was pretty funny yeah i I mean, we can get into more stories. Let's get into the uh, genius uh, suggestion of the day. We could, I could do a 30-hour podcast about my personal life. <laughs> about your life. family. Yeah. So this comes from a guy named Jesse. I'll leave his last name out. Uh, he says, just a warning ahead of time, I could give you a lot of backstory and a lot of personal details. Uh, okay, we'll move on. He's just kind of explaining himself. Mm-hmm. He goes, hi, exclamation mark. My name is Jesse, and I saw your post on Twitter, so I figured I'd give it a shot and ask for your advice. You know, I've been watching your videos since I was in middle school, and now I'm 23. Let's leave that shit out. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, your videos influenced a lot of things in my life. Well, he was actually watching me since the beginning, because I've only been on for 10 years. Yeah, I was like, that's 10 years, Yeah, right? so he's been watching me since I actually uploaded my very first video. That's crazy. That's nuts. Um. Uh, coming up in October, it'll be two years since I have... Okay, hold on a second. Um, oddly enough, your videos influenced a lot of things in my life. I, I used to weigh 250 pounds and my lowest was 195. Now I focus on being a powerlifter, uh, mainly because of Bart, not because of me. Fuck you, guy. <laughs> he, he immediately had to put that in there. He I goes, know, not because of you. Clearly not. You. I actually did uh, lifted weights for the first time in a year yesterday. <laughs> and that's just facts. <laughs> so I'll stop the backstory and get to the point. Mm. Uh, coming up in October, it'll be two years since I've attempted suicide. Did not expect that. Mm. Uh, I moved back into my uh, parents' house. I left my job and I felt or I feel like I lost all my friends. Probably one of the saddest times I've ever been in and was the most I felt alone. I almost gave up completely. Two years later, I have a job I'm settled with. I have more friends supporting more than ever. Plans on moving out soon, going to therapy. And I even have my own podcast with my best friend. Um, yeah, he says you could plug it in. Okay, well, don't, don't don't do your podcast plug after you're talking about a suicide attempt, buddy. What the hell are you doing? Okay. But I still have these moments of sadness and loneliness and that hurts a lot. I guess based on your own experiences or knowledge, do you have any ways of dealing with being alone? I recently ended things with someone I thought I loved and now I don't really know if I really did. The relationship started off bad in the beginning. Uh, already she was with someone when we met and just ended things when we got together bad sign Mm. i'm trying not to feel alone anymore and i honestly don't know what to do any advice you give is great appreciated and if you do read this one i'm glad you decided to give out advice to younger people figuring out um their shit too you know uh maybe i've mentioned this too but just as a starting point I think when you're when you're really young and you're what like about 23 right now, I think that when sometimes when bad things happen, we always feel like the thing that we're going through we're the only people going through it. Mm-hmm. Feeling alone is stuff that you're these type of feelings you're going to feel for the rest of your life. It's not unique to your existence, and that's a concept that's really hard to kind of accept when you're in some deep shit right now, right? Because I I feel alone sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Even even with somebody, I, I'm with somebody, I'm with my fiance and there are times where I feel like she won't understand where I'm coming from or, and I'll feel like these moments where I feel like nobody is going to understand me. Mm-hmm. It happens actually a lot more than I think about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest difference is, is that I already have it set in my mind, whether I'm doing it on purpose or not, that I know these feelings are only temporary. Like it's it's a very temporary feeling, you know, for, for you to feel sadness and loneliness because it's something that's going to be constant throughout your life. There's this weird thing where people feel like happiness is going to be promised to them 24 fucking seven. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you're basing it off of maybe you're even basing it off of other people's shit. If because I know for a fact that this happens because I, I, I when I first started doing YouTube, I remember just 
looking through comments and looking through success of other people and starting to, I started to do a comparison game. And when I started to compare my life to what other people were putting out, mm-hmm. specifically on their Instagram, because Instagram does a great job of making you feel that everybody's living their fucking best life, mm-hmm. right? And it makes you feel like you have, you're living without because everybody has something that you don't, right? Right. There's a, there's a lot of things that you can do to help you compensate with that. Like why, just having the thought of why do you feel alone? Do you feel alone when you're more on your phone and then you see other people living a life that you don't have? Do you feel alone because the people that are around you, you say that you have great friends, but what qualifies them as great friends? Do you mm-hmm. connect with them on a personal level? Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's 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 hard to really process what you're going through, especially because you know you've already uh, attempted suicide once, and now that you see yourself on the on the brighter side of things, um, I think you have maybe a false expectation of what a great life is because mm. you say, well, I have everything, and there's still these moments where I feel sadness. And if I were to be honest with you right now, personally, I don't know you. I don't know you on a personal level, but you're actually just going through regular shit. Yeah, I mean, look, it could be regular shit for sure. Um, but for me, it would be really starting at the basics. Or starting with the basics is one is that uh, mental health hasn't always been so great for this kid. Obviously, right? Yeah, something um, he's been dealing with. Yeah, and so I, I, I did hear that he mentioned therapy in there, but first and foremost, that should be what's brought to the forefront to address is he should definitely be um, in therapy sessions sorting this shit out because whatever is causing this feeling of like self-hate or or, or like uh, self-worth being, uh, you know, super low and lonely, whatever the, the root causes of those feelings are and those thoughts are, he needs to address those first, right? So I think we start at the basics there. And then from there, as his mental health starts to improve, he can start to figure out the things that really fulfill him and and give him happiness in life and that's a process like you said life is a process man yeah. you know you can't you can't be so short-sighted with things and, and and you know the point that you were just making is that um younger people tend to think like at that point in life that's they're the only ones going through it but that's that's a feeling and an idea that comes from like limited experience with life you know as you get older and as you experience more things you start to understand it's this is a shared experience man you know a lot of the things that people are going through other people countless other people have gone through the same thing at those points in their life and if you just reach out and try to talk with somebody if you have somebody like that in your life then chances are you're going to be able to see that they probably went through the same thing um now the difference is going through hardships in life in certain moments of your life and also going through those hardships with your mental health not being good. Mm-hmm. That's why I say that we should focus on the basics here is like make sure the mental health part is is good first. Yeah. Get that solidified. And then from there, you could start figuring it out. But if he's 23 now, I mean, he's still so young. Yeah. Still so young. And I, I, maybe my perspective is a lot different, right? Because I look at trials and tribulations now as just like... Uh, a paintbrush with a different color in my life, right? Mm-hmm. It's just adding like another color, mm-hmm. right? Because imagine if life was just, everything happened the way that you wanted it, right? Could you imagine how boring life would be? Right. If you didn't have trials and tribulations, if you didn't have something bad to show you how great something can be, all the great stuff in life really wouldn't matter. Right, because you wouldn't have perspective. Yeah, there's a very big difference. Like I've, I've been in this city now where I've been around people who um, either was born into born with money and the people who gained success and then made money, right? Mm-hmm. The, the one thing that I've noticed for people who were born with money, and I'm not saying this is a truth, but this is the people that I've met, people who grew up with a gratuitous amount of money and always had the word yes thrown at them. At this age in life, the age of 30, they don't know what the fuck they want to do. They're lost mm-hmm. because they've always had options and they almost had a point of they never had to earn anything. Right. Like in their mind, they couldn't think of too many uh, trials and tribulations that they had to go through. So there wasn't anything that for them to hold on to. But versus people who I know who have gained a similar amount of success, but they had to struggle through it. They get to relish in their scars and their battle scars a lot that allows them to appreciate the things that they have around them. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at these situations where you're looking at all the bad stuff and that's the only thing, only thing that you're focused on, you should be really focused about what comes after. After this stuff, yeah, right, yeah, is even like how I pick friends. I say, I say, I pick friends like I pick out watermelons, mm-hmm. and the reason why is because if you notice, if you guys ever picked out a watermelon before, people tell you when you look at these like cartoons, right, 
or you look at um, an animation or a film, you look at this watermelon, it's perf perfect. Bright green, a bunch of stripes. And because you've seen this on the screen that that's the one that you need to pick out, mm -hmm. you feel like that's a really good watermelon. But what you'll actually find out is, and you'll hear it through watermelon farmers, people who know watermelons really well, mm -hmm. which I say are people, the ones that are the best are the ones with a big yellow sunspot on it and they have a bunch of uh, scarring from the pollen. Mm -hmm. And when you pick it up, it's actually heavier than it actually looks. Mm -hmm. And that's how, I, that's how I say you should pick out friends. People who are who have battle scars, who have been through trials and tribulations, but that are still around, they have a lot more to offer than you think. There's a weight to them. Mm -hmm. They have life experience. Yeah. And those watermelons that you pick out are actually the best. Mm -hmm. You might actually be one of those watermelons. You might be that person. I have always had to relate shit to food. Like <laughs> you might be that, that watermelon with the scars, with the big yellow spot that on the outside doesn't look very desirable, but all that shit leads up to something that has, that's very fruitful, that, that you, that has sustenance to it. So like, all the stuff that you're going through right now is going to build up to a bigger story. You have to realize life is about chapters. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. and it's all about how you write that shit. Yeah. And, and again, like at 23, you have limited life experience and limited perspective. So I can understand, I mean, I've been there too. So I, I can understand how, how you might easily fall into this feeling and idea of like, oh my God, this is the worst, right? It might be the worst at that point in time, but it might not be the worst five years from now, 10 years from now. You might look back at that and think, oh shit, that was cake actually. Mm -hmm. You know, now the responsibilities I have and you know, the problems that I have now are much far greater and far more serious than what that was. That's not to take away from how real it feels at that moment either. Uh, what I'm saying is that not to look at it so uh, from like so short-sightedly, uh, just think about it from a standpoint of, you're at a moment in your life and whether whether it's something that's uh, really difficult to, to uh, get through or something that you feel like nobody else can relate to, that's not going to be the case forever. And, and it's like, look, you don't know if tomorrow is promised to you, but on the bright side, if it isn't promised to you, at least you won't know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? 100%. Yeah. If you die, you die. That's it, right? Um, but... If you're looking forward to the next day, the next week, the next month, next year, whatever, then address the problems, tackle it head on first. And it seems like with this guy, you know, especially considering the fact that he tried to commit suicide, mental health is, is you know, a glaring issue for him. And so yeah. hopefully he can get um, the treatment for it and, and, and continue with therapy and be vigilant about therapy, not just something where I, like... I hope it's not one of those things where he does it um, here and there and then start when he starts to feel like things are a little bit better, he feels like he doesn't need it anymore. And therapy too, if you guys have never done it before, therapy is very unique in the sense of therapy is like finding a church. Like it's, it's not a one size fits all. Right, right. You need to find somebody that, that you can truly open up to and you have to be mentally ready for therapy. It's not it's not like Advil where you have a headache, you pop that shit in and then a couple hours things go away. Mm -hmm. You actually have to figure out like what the reason why you're there and you have to be open enough to, to listen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some people that I know that have gone through therapy, they go in and they go, well, I did one session and nothing happened. It's not a, it's not, that's not how it works. Yeah. Right. It's like, how much did you open up in that session? Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable with opening up to this specific therapist? Do you need to try another therapist? Right. You know, it's just like any other relationship. Anything. You know? Yeah. 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 You, you really have to look at it from that standpoint, I feel like in order to get something out of that mm -hmm. um, if it's just one of those things where you're just going through the motion you're not going to have any breakthroughs you're not going to have any progress with it it's it's, it's just going to be one of those things where yeah you just uh basically think doing what you think you should be doing because imagine too i i had a i had a young lady named um uh she she has this company called cat suites mm -hmm. and with her she she actually attempted to commit suicide and she was very open about it and she was kind of helping me go through the thought process because I never tried to commit suicide before. Mm -hmm. I never really had the thought about it. Mm -hmm. So for her, you know, or when I see that type of stuff and I feel when people try to attempt to take their life, it, what seems to be the reoccurring story is that, you know, it seems to be like a whirlwind of these thoughts, right? And then because everything seems so definite, there there's no light at the end of that tunnel. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, that, that reason for living is completely gone. Right. But what happens in her case too, when I see it, right, 
So she attempted to commit suicide and it just didn't work out the way that it was supposed to. Mm -hmm. uh, she survived it. Mm -hmm. And then that feeling of sadness and death might come back. But at that moment when she survived, it went away. Mm. But that just goes to show how it's temporary. You know, mm -hmm. when you, when you, you can find comfort in the fact that these feelings are temporary, it's not going to last. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're looking at it as a perspective of, well, why live when you know that you're going to go through this for the rest of your life? I think your perspective is off. Your perspective is off because you're expecting things to always be great. Mm -hmm. And nobody's life is like that. Mm -hmm. There should be comfort in the fact that everybody is going through the same stuff that you're going through, right? It's just a matter of how you're going to deal with it and maybe finding the right people to be around you. Maybe you do have friends, but maybe they're not the right support group for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think um, also too, it's really important to find the the reasons to live rather than looking at the reasons to die. Oh, for sure. You know? Um, and, and yet maybe, maybe the Travis Scott meal, that's $6. <laughs> have you guys had that? The motherfucker, you trying to not commit suicide. Have yourself that bacon burger with that barbecue sauce. That shit, ba -da -ba -ba -ba, keep you yeah, alive, baby. Yeah. Um, and so like maybe even in, in being in those shoes, the a person might say, I don't have enough reasons to live. I can't find reasons to live. I mean, then you're gonna have to find it, you know. Like mm -hmm. nobody's can, nobody is gonna be able to like instill that will into you. Like if you really start to lose your will to live, I mean that's a really dark spot to be in. But it's also a limited way of thinking and and a limited viewpoint on, on life in general. Yeah, because you just haven't, especially at 23, you just haven't been through enough. You you have like life from 23 to 30 will look drastically different. You know what I mean? When I think when I was 23, what I was doing and then what I'm doing at 30, it's like two different people. Even if you're considered an adult yeah. uh, at 23, right? Or I mean, 21 and over, um, you're not, you haven't really fully come into your own at that age in life. I feel like uh, more so that starts to happen you know, into your thirties where you really start to feel like, yeah, you're getting a rhythm, you know, and, and, and you figure out who you are as a person and really come into your own skin. Yeah. And so look, I mean, dark thoughts like that, I can relate to it for sure. Um, I've, I've definitely had moments where, you know, uh, I was in a very dark space and, uh, even, even like the past year or so, you know, I going through depression, right. Yeah. Just, just cause of circumstances, but at the end of the day, it's like you you have to dig down and, and find the strength uh, in order to overcome those thoughts and, and overcome those problems and overcome those. It, it is a trial. It, it is a trial. It's it like every, and everybody is put through those trials. It's but if you feel like, you know what, I can't handle this. I'm the only person that's going through it. Nobody can understand me. Then you're limiting yourself. It's like almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And it's also like this point of where I feel like sometimes we'll, we're so laser focused into the negatives in life. It's hard to see the positives, right? Yeah. So we're, we're like, oh, well, I'm, I know I'm going to go through this again. But instead of thinking, oh, I know I'm going to go through this again, you, you like what I was talking about before where it's perspective. Like I could say, you could say, I'm going to go through this again. Or you could say like, this is just a part of life and it's going to pass. The I know it sounds so overly simplistic, mm -hmm. but I'm only telling you because you're asking for my personal suggestion or advice. That's how I deal with things, mm. right? Because I could, like, for example, we were talking about a story earlier, right? Where I saw my, I came into the house. Imagine if how I painted this story, right? I told you that story when I saw my aunt and she had this circular mark on her face where she got bit by a rabbit mm -hmm. dog, right? But what if I told you in that story where I said, like, I grew up in a really fucked up home. Like, I grew up in a fucked up home where my, where my, aunt who I really loved and cared about, she decided that she um, that she grew up in a dysfunctional family and I used to see them get into fist fights every day and it, and it fucked me up mentally. Mm. Look how different that story is. Yeah. It, I, I don't want to hear that story, you know, but when I tell you about these two fucking psychopaths and where this lady bit this lady like she was a werewolf, I legit thought that my aunt was going to turn to a werewolf. <laughs> like, like there's a way, there's a way that I choose to see life and it's because I choose to have a positive outlook and laugh about things because like Edric says, everybody has a dysfunctional family. Everybody goes through that type of stuff. It's just, you know, you got to make, you got to make lemonade with your fucking lemon sometimes, yeah, man. And yeah. I think I do a really good job of that because I've, I quickly learned 
that I had to. I didn't grow up in a lot of, sometimes when I see other people complain about their lives, it makes me wonder why. Um, because when I was younger, I would have killed for the life that they had. Mm -hmm. Everybody, no matter what situation that they're in, always feels that they're living without. And I think what's what's uh, harder for this younger generation um, is, uh, and we've we've said this time and time again, is is the whole social media factor, yeah. right? Giving giving uh, false expectations on what mm -hmm. life is supposed to be and and how life should be. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't really have that as much growing up, and then so I feel like. Uh, just kind of getting down and dirty and figuring out your problems and just kind of bulldozing through it was more mm -hmm. of our mentality. But then when you have kind of the comparison factor of like you're constantly comparing yourself to these other people that you see on Instagram and mm -hmm. in Facebook and Twitter and thinking that you and your life somehow is inferior to that. I mean, th that must be uh, like a devastating uh, feeling to think that you're, you're uh, not your life is not worth as much as these other people's lives because what you're seeing and what what you're what you're seeing them doing is pales in comparison to what your everyday life is like. Yeah. But again, social media guys is not an accurate representation of life. It's not real life. It's it's a fucking highlight reel. Please understand that first and foremost. Second, again, focus on what brings you happiness, what fulfills you. And you know what? There could be somebody who says, "Look, man, I don't have anybody to talk to. I don't. I don't have even friends." There's porn. <laughs> do you do you know that there is free porn at your very <laughs> sticky fingertips? When I was younger, yo, I had to hit up the homie, and I had to I had to cut out a piece of fucking naked titty out of a fucking magazine for twenty five cents a page. Yep, I you used to sling that shit, bro. I used to sling uh, pages out of the Playboy magazine. That oh, was a side hustle for me, man. That's why I paid for his college. <laughs> no but but seriously like even if you don't have friends um you can find somebody who's willing to listen i i think it just comes down to how hard you're trying it really comes down to willpower uh, I, I think like social intelligence is hard for a lot of people mm -hmm. um it's not really taught mm -hmm. and if you don't see if you're not surrounded with people who are who understands how to navigate themselves through a social situation you have nothing to learn from mm. and that's where i feel a lot of people lack in that skill is social intelligence they don't know how to be in a crowd they don't know how to interact with people yeah and albeit these people are good human beings mm -hmm. like when you look at them as a person you're a good person but when it comes to getting along with somebody nobody really gives a fuck of how good a person you are at first mm -hmm. they just want to have a good time no, for they, sure and they want to be sure. able to socially they want you to be able to like navigate through a conversation there are those unspoken rules of engagement right yeah. and and when when uh it, it it's not checking those boxes it comes across as something being off yeah. or something being awkward or something being weird um uh, the point I'm making is that I feel like if you need someone to listen, there's always somebody, you know, and, and even a therapist, right? E even if you have to uh, pay a therapist uh, to to have somebody to talk to and listen to, that's a great person to to talk to and have somebody listen to you because they can help you sort your shit out, right? Yeah. Um, there's always a somebody for uh, any, there's always something for somebody out yeah, there, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's why I always get shocked when people say I can't make any friends. I was mm -hmm. like, well, you're probably a weird fuck, but I guarantee you <laughs> there's another weird fuck out there that's just like for you. Sure, that's for sure. For sure. For a friend. Yeah. And you two weird fucks can be together and just be weird together. But it's it's in um, the effort though. How much of an effort are you putting forth to like actually seeking a friend or, or just somebody to talk to or somebody to listen to? If you just start, you know, crumpling up and thinking, oh, that that's too too hard for me. You know, there's too much social anxiety. What are you going to do then, right? If, if you recognize the problems that you need to face, then face them head on, right? Uh, otherwise, that's just going to be what your life is. And just you, get into LARPing, guys. <laughs> do what, LARPing. The, what the fuck is LARPing? Oh, you don't know what LARPing is? No. LARPing is those guys that... Yeah. So you know when people play MMORPGs, right? Uh -huh. Well, LARPing is MMORPGs in real life. Oh, so wow. So you'll, you'll go out and they'll like book out this whole area that's yeah. like a forest. Yeah. You'll go out there. And if you want, if I want to attack you, 
well, I have a certain amount of mana to uh, shoot lightning bolts at you. Oh, so I'll do this. I'll go lightning bolt, lightning oh, bolt, lightning I, bolt. Okay, and it's one you, of those. You could block it. You yeah. could do, and then they'll have their whole costume get up yeah. with their swords. Yeah. Hey, my friends, I'll tell you, if I don't have any friends, your boy would be the number one LARPer in the country. No, you bring that up actually reminds me of a thing too, is is that, dude, with technology these days, you can find communities. You could find, oh, anywhere. You could find Facebook communities, pages, people who have shared interests. Go out to those public meetups or whatever. You LARPers know, have friends for crying out loud. Reddit public meetups. I mean, there's many different ways for you to meet other people. Now, how well you do once you meet those people is a different story, but at least put yourself in that situation. You can't sit there and complain about, I don't have friends. I don't have anybody to relate to. And then if you say, well, what have you done to try? Nothing. Or... I can't because it gives me too much anxiety. Smoke some weed, baby. Whatever you got to do. Whatever you got to do to figure that shit out. And look, things like suicide and suicidal thoughts, it's not, it doesn't just affect certain type of people, man. We talked about it before. Guys like Anthony Bourdain, guys like Robin Williams, right? Yeah. These are, these are people who are loved throughout the world, recognized, has fame, has money, has from the outside looks like just a great, fantastic life then why did they choose to end their own? You know what I mean? Because it's something that affects everybody. It's not just something that only affects, yeah. you know, Poor broken people, people, people or whatever. Broken, yeah. yeah. It, it's something that, and, and again, it goes back to that point that we were saying, it affects everybody. Everybody's going through some shade of the problems that you're going through. You just have to reach out. Well, first you, you need to have perspective that that's not the end of the world. That's not, that's not a period in your life and the end it's still an open-ended story i'm a very spiteful human let's say like in this world where somebody's like well everybody fucking hates me why do i want to live well i want to live because i bother these people so they have to be with me for the rest of their fucking miserable lives like, just out of spite out of spite i'm gonna stay alive out of spite i'm gonna stay alive because my existence bothers you mm-hmm. so you hate me that much guess mm-hmm. what i'm i'm gonna lose some weight and i'm gonna be extra healthy so i could be around for a very long time and i'll live your dumb ass and then when you're dead yeah. hey man good life <laughs> Now you're gone, baby. Turn that negativity into fuel, baby. And I'm telling you that shit, dude. There's always a good perspective, man. Like, I figure it out. If you hate my guts, I'm going to live so fucking long. You have no idea. I'll fucking, I'll live so long, man. I'll fucking. No, I I could relate, though. I, I, I definitely have those moments, too, where it's like, there is kind of like that spite where like, ooh, this motherfucker really want to, you know, be on that game, huh? Then watch me, motherfucker. Watch me. Rather than letting it, oh, man. My, my feelings are hurt. I don't want to do anything anymore, you know? Yeah. I'm like, all right, that just got me the fucking juice that I needed to get going, you know? <laughs> I like spiting people, man. It, it fills up my soul very, very well. I'm trying not to do that as much. Yeah. I'm trying to do things out of the purpose of joy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, man, when I see, when I see something, like for example, when I see some people make some trash shit and it does well, I'm uh, like, I could do so much better. Uh, just fucking, petty, bro. <laughs> fucking piece of shit. Like, I hope you die, but I hope you live. God bless. God just bless. Pettiness and spitefulness. Yes. I'm done you. Well, guys, that wraps up this episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. We know over a lot of stuff. We have some funny family stories. And uh, if you guys want to leave some more genius suggestions or anything else like that, even some weird sexual desires, whatever shit that you have out there, it could be a weird story that you guys want us to hear and tell on the podcast. And we can put our two cents in. That's geniusbrainpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you guys want first dibs on stories, go to the Patreon and uh, go ahead and support out there. But you can find Edric at Ed2 on Instagram, every mm-hmm. single handle, Ed2, E-D-T-W-O. And you can find us at secretsociety.com. That's S-C-R-T-S-O-C-I-E-T-Y.com yes, for sir. your clothing needs, my friends. And what was the uh, the promo code for that? Brain15. Brain15 for 15% off your first order if you go to S-C-R-T-Society.com. We'll see you guys every Thursday and Sundays. I'll see you all next time. Love you very much. Life is worth living. Unless hang in there, guys. Hang in there like the little cat on the telephone pole. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're a piece of shit. Fuck you. <laughs> Peace. Peace.